You know, one thing that uh, occurred to me this past week in thinking about courage is uh, in order to be courageous, you've got to believe you were made to be courageous. You guys following me? You, you've got to really believe being courageous is what you're made for. And uh, I'm not sure about you, but sometimes I can feel like this 20 seconds of courage thing, uh, that's not my thing, right? Uh, maybe you, you feel that way as well. Like, hey, tw- uh, let's one of us were made to be courageous. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, it says, Be on your guard. I should have it on the screen. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. You know, this verse makes it pretty clear. We're made to be courageous, right? This is a direct command to do so. How about this verse in Ephesians chapter 2? Verse 10, it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. You know, God's been preparing us since the beginning of time to be courageous. He's setting up courageous feats for us to take on. You know, this is what you were designed for. I love these uh, lyrics by uh, Casting Crowns. It's a, a song entitled Courageous. And it says, we were warriors on the front lines, standing unafraid. But now we're watchers on the sidelines while our families slip away. It says, where are you, men of courage? You were made for so much more. Let the pounding of our hearts cry out, we will serve the Lord. We were made to be courageous, and we're taking back the fight. We were made to be courageous, and it starts with us tonight. You know, our Heavenly Father didn't make us to sit on the sidelines. He made us to be a part of the fight. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe you are made to be a soldier in God's army? You were made to be courageous. The title of our lesson this morning is The Heart of a Risk Taker. Because being courageous has got to come with a heart that's willing to take risks, okay? You know, taking risks is an important part of the life of a Christian. And I would dare to say it's even essential for salvation. You've got to learn to take some risks if you want to be right with God. I love this quote by Robert Brunner. It says, risk is not a four-letter word. Risk is not a four-letter word. Now, you may be thinking, (laughs) right, risk isn't a bad word, right? Uh, I think a lot of times we, we can view risk as being a bad thing. You know, maybe in your uh, retirement portfolio, you want to minimize your risks. Not in your walk with God. You know, as Christians, we're made to be risk takers. It's got to be at the heart of our walk with God. And I think, ironically, not taking risks may be the riskiest thing you can do as a Christian. I'm going to give you a few characteristics 
these words describe your walk with God? How about daring and bold? Would you describe your walk with God as daring and bold? You know, it means being willing to put your life on the line and doing what no one else would attempt to do. In Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1, it says, The wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Or how about Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10? It says, Put on the full armor of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Right? That's pretty daring to put on some armor and go against the devil. But if you can't describe your spiritual life as daring and bold, maybe you aren't taking enough risks. How about fun and exciting? Risk-taking should be fun and exciting, right? You know, it, uh, it gives us a sense of adventure and purpose in our life, bringing joy. In John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Right? A full, fun, exciting Christian life. How about Psalm 16, verse 11? It says, You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. You know, again, we should be filled with joy in our walk with God. So if you, if you can't describe your walk with God as fun and exciting, you may not be taking enough risks. How about dangerous and scary? Risk-taking is definitely described as dangerous and scary. You know, it means you may get hurt, and at times you'll look at death in the face. I think of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. It says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's a scary verse. How about 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12? In the New Living Translation, it says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as if something strange were happening to you. You may go through some fiery trials if you start taking some risks in your walk with God. Are you guys with me? Yeah, I can't, uh, I can't help but get past this, this mindset of being a risk taker. And uh, risk taking should be fun, uh, but it's also going to push us uh, to dangerous and scary places in our walk with God. You know, I just think of the, uh, the men and women throughout the Bible who have been known to take risks. How about Noah? Noah had to risk building an ark. Abraham had to risk killing his son. Lot had to risk leaving his home. Rahab had to risk hiding the spies. David took a risk by facing Goliath. Jonathan took a risk by allowing David to escape. Elijah took a risk in praying for fire from heaven. Esther risked her life to save her people. Peter took a risk by walking on water. 
And Paul risked his life in returning to Lystra after being stoned. If you don't believe risk-taking is a part of being a Christian, you may not be reading your Bible enough. Taking risks is a part of who we are. It's a part of our identity in Christ. Let's turn over to uh, Matthew chapter 20. You know, I, uh, I love thinking about all these biblical heroes that took risks. And, you know, we could take a look at any number of these heroes and see what it looks like to take a risk. But um, maybe you're a hero. Uh, I don't necessarily feel like I am. Uh, I think most of us would agree, hey, we're just regular people trying to have a, uh, a, an awesome walk with God. So, uh, so we're going to take a look at a couple regular guys this morning. Amen? Matthew chapter 20, verse 29, says, As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. I don't know if it stands out to you, but to me, this is an amazing story of courage. To see these two men that, uh, that are willing to put themselves out there, call out to God, or call out to Jesus, rather, uh, it, it stands out. And, um, you know, if there's any example of courage in the Bible that you and I can follow, it would be these two guys. Just regular guys but their example is cemented in the word of God for all eternity. So what caused these guys to take a risk? The first point this morning is that we've got to crave a change. If you want to have the heart of a risk taker, you've got to crave a change. You know, these guys were willing to uh, be loud and persistent and willing to risk persecution because they wanted a change in their lives, right? They wanted to see. You know, they're calling out, making noise, willing to stir up the pot a little bit, go against the grain because they wanted to see. And, um, yeah, I think these guys, they got to a point in life where they're like, okay, I, I've had enough, right? I've had enough of this blindness. You know, they didn't want to, to, to be blind forever. You know, there's a, a story about a young man who came to uh, the philosopher Socrates asking for knowledge. And it says he walked up to the philosopher and said, Oh, great Socrates, I come to you for knowledge. And Socrates recognized a numbskull when he saw one. So he led the young man through the streets to the sea. And chest deep, 
into the water. Then he asked, what do you want? Well, knowledge, O wise Socrates, the young man said. Socrates put his strong hands on the man's shoulders and pushed him underwater. 30 seconds. Socrates let him up. What do you want, he said. Wisdom, the young man sputtered. Socrates again crunched him under. 30 seconds passed. 35, then 40. Socrates let him back up. The man was gasping for air, and Socrates said, What do you want, young man? Between the heavy, uh, heaving breaths, he said, Knowledge, O wise Socrates. Again, he was jammed under. 40 seconds, then 50. What do you want? He asked as he brought him up again. Air. I want air. You know, when you want uh, knowledge, just as you have wanted air, is what Socrates told him, then you'll have knowledge. That's a craving, right? That's a deep desire. So you got to ask yourself, okay, how much do you want change in your life? Do you want to change as bad as you want to breathe? You know, how bad do you want to be set free from the sin you're entangled in? Do you crave it enough to be open about it? How much are you willing to risk to get it into the light? Would you risk being open right now? Do you want it that bad? Would you risk standing up, talking to the brother next to you, say, hey, we need to step out. We need to step out of the auditorium because I want to be open that bad. I want to get rid of the sin in my life as much as I want to breathe. Or is that too risky? You know, uh, one thing I learned in studying out this passage is uh, very few people are completely blind, okay? Very few people are completely blind. Uh, It says that many individuals who are legally blind uh, have spots in their vision, right? And, uh, you know, their vision isn't completely blacked out like most people would suppose. Um, But uh, one guy actually said uh, he's got these spots in his vision, but he can't actually see the blind spots, because his, his mind configures uh, those spots out, right? So it's like regular vision, but spots are missing. And, uh, you know, I thought it was interesting reading that, because I think somehow, sometimes that's how we can be in our uh, spiritual walk as well. Um, there's these blind spots missing, uh, and it's like we don't even see it. Uh, we don't even recognize that these things are missing in our walk with God. And uh, instead of being concerned uh, that we're not seeing well spiritually, uh, we just become comfortable with the, thi- the way things are, right? And we just learn to accept, okay, this is, this is the way it's going to be. You know, imagine if those two guys just accepted that, hey, there's nothing that can be done. This is the way my vision's going to be. You know, maybe you figure that uh, a mediocre 
spirituality is better than none at all. You know, I think the main thing that kills courage is comfortability, right? And when you're comfortable, it makes no sense to take a risk. And uh, you got to ask yourself, what do I crave more in my walk with God? Comfortability or change? What am I craving more, being comfortable or am I wanting a change? Are you okay with having spiritual blind spots in your walk with God? You know, to be a risk taker in your walk with God, you've got to have a crave to change. And, uh, you know, we've got a desire for things to be different. Um, You know, if you're not fed up with the blind spots, uh, then things are just going to stay the same. And, uh, you know, I love Jesus' response to these two guys, right? They come to him, they're crying out, they're calling, and Jesus walks up to them, and he says, what do you want me to do for you? And it's an amazing question uh, for two different reasons. I think, first of all, uh, it seems like just a rhetorical question, right? Jesus comes up, what do you want me to do for you guys? Like, Jesus, did you not know they were blind, right? Uh, could you not tell? Did you not have the, uh, the, the spirit to be able to discern that? Uh, it almost seems like a rhetorical question. And, uh, you know, imagine you walk into the hospital. You've got a knife sticking out of your chest. And the doctor says, well, what can I do for you today, right? Um, it's like, no duh. You might want to slap them after that. Um, okay, does Jesus not really care about these guys? Is he not concerned with their well-being? Does he not want to heal them? Absolutely not. Of course he wants to heal them. Of course he's concerned about them. But you know, Jesus wanted to hear them say it, right? There's something about it there. Jesus wanted to hear the words from them. And he wanted to see, okay, how much do they really crave this change? You know, the second thing that's amazing about this question is, uh, is the position it put the blind men in, right? So he, he asked this question, and, and it's amazing the, uh, the power that's transferred to the blind men. Because they are commanding the attention of God, right? Jesus is attentive to their needs. And it's almost like a genie in a bottle, right? Jesus is like, hey, ask what you wish. What do you want me to do for you? And so it's amazing to see the power that these guys had in taking a risk. And I think sometimes we just want the the genie bottle to fall into our laps, but I assure you it's not going to happen that way. Uh, You know, we've got to take risks if we want to see rewards in our walk with God. You know, you've got to take risk if you want to get Jesus' attention. And, uh, and to get his attention, you've got to start making some noise. You guys with me? We've got to crave this change enough to where we, we speak up and we say, hey, I need some help. Uh, I, I need things to be different in my life. But maybe your life's perfect. I don't know. Are you guys with me this morning? You know, the second point I have, I've got two points this morning. The second point is to ignore the dangers. If you want to have the heart of a risk taker, you've got to ignore the dangers. And again, I look at these two guys, and in order to be healed, 
they had to ignore the dangers. I love in verse 31, it says, The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder. They shouted all the louder. Do you love that or what? It's an awesome response. You know, these guys threw caution to the wind, ignored the possible hazards to get the healing they needed in their lives. And, um, you know, let me shed some light on something here, because I think sometimes we can look at this situation and be like, well, it's, it, was it really that dangerous, right? Um, you know, it's not that these guys were calling out to Jesus. It's what they were calling Jesus. You guys with me? It's not that they were, you know, yelling out, making noise. It's what they were in of David, right? They were proclaiming Jesus to be the Messiah, right? And um, back then, that certainly would have stirred things up. Sometimes it can stir things up now, but certainly back then, that, that wasn't a popular thing to say. Jesus, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. That's a powerful statement. It wasn't the politically correct thing to say or to do back in that time. And, uh, and again, it certainly would have put them in danger. And, um, you know, if they had worried too much about what other people thought and what other people were going to say, uh, they definitely wouldn't have, wouldn't have been healed. You know, I love this verse in uh, Matthew six twenty five. It's a, a verse you probably know well. It says in the NIV, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. And isn't that why we avoid dangers is because of the worrying in our lives. Again, think if these guys were super worried about what everybody else was going to think, right? How people were going to react to them calling out. In the K, uh, King James Version, it says, therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life. This one's even better, the Darby version. I didn't even know there was a Darby version, but I looked it up. Verse 25, it says, For this cause I say unto you, do not be careful about your life. Do not be careful about your life. Now, I don't know if that's the best Greek to English translation, but I liked it, right? Don't be careful about your life. There's no such thing as careful Christianity. That's a man-made thing. You know, if you want to be courageous in your walk with God, you got to remove worrying from your vocabulary. Amen? You know, a, uh, a few years ago, I um, went to visit some friends down in Austin. And uh, a few of us, we went uh, to a lake there uh, in Austin and uh, went cliff jumping at a lake. Talk about a risk. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, I was excited. You know, we're driving on the way over there. And, uh, and I'm, like, talking it up. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm going to be the first one to jump in. I'm going to, like, I'm, I'm going to do backflips, front flips. Um, you know, I'm pumped, right? We get to the spot. Uh, we pull up, we walk over there, and I look over the edge, and I'm like, this looks rough. So it was my first time. The other guys had been before. So I tell them, uh, 
I was like, you know what? Why don't you just show me how it's done, you know, uh, just in case. And, um, and so one, one of the guys, he goes ahead and goes. And um, he, he doesn't have an issue with it, right? It's just like, no big deal, boom, he's in. He's <laughs> no worries. And um, uh, so I'm, I'm standing there, and I'm trying to analyze uh, everything that could go wrong. I mean, seriously, it's like rock I could hit over here. I could hit over. I mean, you're <laughs> – so I, I'm sitting there analyzing it, trying to figure everything out. I do, uh, I do one of those, like, run-ups, and I'm like, all right. It was like a test run. And uh, meanwhile – he already, uh, the other guy had already climbed all the way back up. <laughs> so he's like, hey, are you going to go or not? And I'm like, mama didn't raise no punk. <laughs> and so I'm like, boom, I'm in. And, uh, you know, after that, there's no issue, right? I was jumping, uh, I was jumping all day. And, um, you know, if I had focused so much on everything that could have gone wrong, I never would have jumped uh, off that cliff, right? Um, I would have just, I, I would have walked back to the car, right? And then I would have been hearing about it for the rest of my life. Um, Mama did raise punk. Um, you know, I think the, the, uh, the sad thing, though, is that some of us are just like walking back to the car spiritually. And, you know, we've been talking about 20 seconds of courage, and, you know, we just keep walking back to the car spiritually. You know, so focused on the potential dangers that you can't see the potential victories that God wants to bring. And again, I think the biggest thing that keeps us from taking risks is worrying about what other people think, right? You know, how are they going to respond if I try and share my faith, right? Or, okay, what if I try and, and lead in this way? Or what if I try and do this and I mess up? What if I try and change? Or how about this one? What if I'm open and they expect me to change? Um, that's a scary spot to be in. You know, again, I our instinct sometimes is to, like, wait for the right moment, right? Okay, I've only got 20 seconds, right? And I don't want to waste this 20 seconds of courage, uh, so I'm going to wait to use it at the right moment. And then the right moment never comes. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, I love this verse. In the New Living Translation, it says, Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Wow, I love that verse, right? What in the world are you waiting for? If you're waiting for the right time to take a risk, just walk back to the car. Seriously. You know, you're never going to find the perfect weather to take a risk. You know, if these blind guys, if, if they had thought, okay, we'll, we'll wait till tomorrow 
uh, to, to call out to Jesus, right? Uh, he's passing by. They're like, okay, he, he's already a little further past us, or there's too many people around, right? Too many people around, so I'm just going gonna, gonna to wait. They never would have been healed. They're n- they wouldn't be in the Bible. Um, you know, you consider Jesus was going to Jerusalem at this point, and uh, they never would have had another chance. You know, practically, what does this look like for us? Okay, let's talk practically. What does that mean uh, for us to, to be risk takers? Well, I mentioned it before. How about being open about sin? You know, I think uh, I may be the only one, but there's certainly times that I've thought, okay, I'll wait till next time I struggle in this area, then I'll be open. Right, I'll, I'll wait till the next time I uh, blow up and, and yell at my kids, uh, and then I'll go talk to somebody about it. Um, I'll wait till next time till I, you know, struggle with pornography. Or I'll wait till next time, you can fill in the blank, right? It's time to take a risk. How about sharing your faith with someone that intimidates you? Yeah, I think uh, that's a big one. I think... Maybe uh, many of us have that one guy at the office, uh, one girl at the office that we're like, I'm waiting for the right moment, right? Waiting for that right moment to, to jump, take that risk. If you wait for perfect weather, it's never going to happen. How about leading a Bible study? You know, last time I, uh, I, I threw out the challenge for everyone to be in a Bible study with someone by the end of June, right? How's that coming? How about, um, you know, helping to plan a D time in your Bible talk? Uh, helping to, uh, to, to schedule some time to get some discipling? Uh, or how about actually going to the D time in your, uh, in your discipling group? You know, um, we've, got, we've got a lot of great small group leaders. Amen? Can we give a hand for our small group leaders? I mean... Seriously, we've got some great men and women uh, in the congregation, but um, I think there's a need, uh, and there's always going to be a need for more leaders, uh, for more, more small group leaders, for more Bible talk leaders and family group leaders. There's going to be a need for more people in the ministry. Um, you know, some of you have the ability to, uh, ability to lead, uh, but again, maybe you're just waiting for the right moment, Right? Um, you're waiting until your kids get a little bit older, or you're waiting for things to slow down at work, or whatever it may be. It's time to take a risk. Let's turn to, uh, amen. Let's turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I just want to touch this verse real quick before we uh, close out, because this is a verse that really uh, convicted me. And, um, you know, what if, what if you decided, okay, I'm going to ignore the dangers when it comes to giving more financially? You know, this, uh, this verse from the Psalms, uh, it's in Second uh, Corinthians 9. Uh, it's talking about those who fear the Lord. And it says, as it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. They're just freely scattering, right? 
um, in the message version, it says, as one psalmist puts it, he throws caution to the wind, giving to the needy in reckless abandon. His right living, right giving ways never run out and never wear out. What if you started throwing caution to the wind in your giving? What if you started throwing caution to the wind in every part of your walk with God? What would your spiritual life look like? Maybe daring and bold, maybe fun and exciting, right? Maybe a little dangerous, a little scary. You know, the last thought uh, as we bring things to a close is I can't help but point out these two blind guys, they did it together, right? And taking a, a, a leap of faith, right, taking a risk, calling out to Jesus was a joint effort for them. There's no doubt that if one of them had tried to do it alone, it would have been much more difficult. And, uh, and I think of risk-taking in general. Risk-taking is a team sport, right? No one likes to take risks alone. I think of a uh, few extreme things uh, I've done. Uh, I've got a few pictures. Uh, you don't go canoeing alone, right? That's me and my wife canoeing, right? Uh, it, it's a risky thing to do. You probably don't want to do it alone. How about, uh, what's the next one I have up there? Just keep throwing them up there. Paintball, right? Paintball. You don't play paintball alone. That wouldn't be much fun. It's like target practice. How about skiing, right? No one likes to go skiing alone. Uh, that's some, uh, me and some buddies uh, in, uh, in Colorado. How about climbing a tree? Uh, this was uh, on a vacation in Hawaii, right? You build memories with friends by doing things together, by taking risks together. You know, a buddy of uh, mine just moved from the north region to our region. Uh, his name's Michael Schuster. And me and Mike and uh, Edwin, we ran a marathon together, right? That's a big risk. Ignore the short shorts on Michael there. But uh, if you're going to take a risk, take somebody with you. Don't try to be a lone ranger, because you're not. Get someone involved with you. If you see someone else taking a risk, join them. Right? If your Bible talk leader says, hey, this is the plan. We're going to get together for D group. Be a D group, right? If they say, hey, this is the direction we're moving in. Hey, let's go share our faith. Be there. Take a risk. I'll close out with 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verse 3. It says, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, we've got to join together in courage like soldiers of Christ heading into battle. I'll leave you with this quote, my favorite quote on courage, one of my favorite quotes of all time. It says, courage is almost a contradiction in terms. It means a strong desire to live, taking the form of a readiness to die. He that will lose his life, the same shall save it, is not a piece of mysticism for saints and heroes. 
a soldier surrounded by enemies, if he is to cut his way out, needs to combine a strong desire for living with a strange carelessness about dying. He must not merely cling to life, for then he will be a coward and will not escape. He must not merely wait for death, for then he will be a suicide and will not escape. He must seek his life in a spirit of furious indifference to it. He must desire life like water and yet drink death like wine. Do you have the heart of a risk taker? Brothers and sisters, let's join together. Let's be courageous. Let's take some risks. And let's go to God in prayer. Father, we come to you so excited to be able to be 